0: Die versus spy. Ooh, can I be James Bond? Next, point R Sinclair.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the one hundredth episode. Of R. Sinclair, oh, you your buddy and me joined as always by the one and only the Brent. The Brent. It is the big one hundredth edition of ours. And I put in
0: just at the right time.
1: You did. It is a bit awkward that I did ninety-eight of these episodes with someone else. Well, ninety-six. <laughs> but uh, we will uh, uh, we will get more into that uh, a little bit later. Uh, in the show. But yes, this is the big 100th and uh, this week we're going to be taking on a game that I would say is one of the most well-traveled games in the old era of gaming. I mean, this thing appeared on a... It is something that was on system. everything, yeah. And I, I love that because I was thinking to myself, how many games can you think of that appeared this many times on this many systems? I mean, and when you think of games that are well-traveled like yeah. this... Can you think of uh, any there on top of your head? I've got a
0: few the that... su- the summer winter games. Yeah, those were on a lot of things. Um, I mean, of course, you've got all your arcade clones. Those those always make the rounds, depending on how simple they are. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm guessing you had one in mind. You wanted well, to say I mean, a couple.
1: I could think of there on the top of my head.
0: Zork was on everything. Yeah.
1: yeah. Oh, yeah. All the Infocom games got a, a wide appearance. You know, of course, until those went out of vogue. Uh, but, I mean, those appeared on 16-bit uh, computers and whatnot. Uh, the games that I thought about were uh, Prince of Persia. It got yeah. it got shopped around quite a bit. Uh, Dragon's Lair is one that per- perpetually appeared in some form on a whole bunch of machines. Even if they couldn't run the proper arcade version, there was some version of Dragon's Lair that yeah. you could play. Of course, you've got, like you mentioned, you've got lots of official and unofficial arcade games like Pac-Man, Mrs. Pac-Man, Asteroids yeah. appeared on a ton of stuff. Uh, but it's funny that when you think about some games that appeared on a lot of systems, uh, you don't necessarily think about the most popular games. Like, I would say uh, Spy vs. Spy is a game that uh, is well-traveled, but its
0: I don't know, a ton of people are holding up the, the torch for this game. Well, I know it was it was obviously popular through many forms of media yeah and that always helps because even if you even if gamers aren't out there clamoring to get their hands on spy versus spy just the general knowledge that it exists as a property means it's gonna sell more copies than it would otherwise you might
1: be you might be on something Jared. I, it's funny I, I I was gonna get into the history of this game a little bit because I'm assuming most people that would know about Spy versus Spy would know about Mad Magazine, which is a crazy magazine that was a it was sort of a comedic magazine that's been published forever. I guess it's still around. And I don't know if they're still making physical. Copies I honestly of it. don't
0: know. Yeah, uh,
1: but it's a, a Spy versus Spy was a, a comic strip that appeared in Mad Magazine. Now this I did when I looked into this I had no idea about the backstory. I mean I've seen the, the comic obviously, right? But it's real funny how it goes. So the premise of it is, you've got a black spy and a white spy, and they never talk, and they're continuously trying to kill each other, yeah. trying to get away with stuff. They're doing spy stuff. They're they're poisoning each other. They hit each other with cars and shoot each other and blow each other, each other up, yeah. bombs and whatnot. That's that's the whole stick. So you can imagine what it's like to to do that. You got to be pretty clever, you know. Um, so the fella that did this. Uh, that created this comic was named Antonio Prohias. okay? He was Cuban. He came from Cuba, and he he left Cuba May 1st of 1960, three days before Fidel Castro's government took over and nationalized the free press. He was actually a pretty big deal in Cuba, and he had a line here that I thought was great, he he talked about the success of of his comic, and he said the sweetest revenge has been to turn Fidel's accusation of me as a spy into a money making venture yeah. because he was Fidel had accused this guy of being a spy, and so that he got out of there. You know uh, he began uh, he began working at Mad on July twelfth of nineteen sixty, uh, and he did two hundred and forty one uh, magazine issues with Spy versus Spy before he turned it over to someone else, uh, and they've kept it going. Uh, and I, I assume it's around in some sort of form right now. Oh, I'm sure it is. Yeah, because it's such a popular... And this is one of those things that transcended the magazine in a lot yes. of ways. Because well, of course. Even if you weren't into Mad Magazine, you probably knew about the spies. I don't know. I mean, they appeared they had their own board game. Of course, they had their own video game. They, had their own, they were in t- TV commercials. They were lampooned occasionally in certain things. Uh it was something like I was never a big Mad Magazine reader when I was a kid. I, I would flip through one every once in a while, but I was always drawn to these guys because it's simple. Yeah. It's simple. Anyone can figure out what's going on. Uh and it's sort of fun. It's sort of a morbid sort of fun to watch one guy perpetually try to kill another guy or meme or Well, b- him, but I mean it's, it's Tom and it's Tom and Jerry antics. It, it absolutely is. Uh, it absolutely is. So, it was a lot of fun. These guys, by the way, just in case you have never seen Star Wars, they look, one is all in black and one is all in white, and they have these reverse colored hats. They have these, yeah, and they have these long noses, noses yeah. that are with a point. They look quite sinister, both of them. Uh, and it's never really revealed, despite the fact that one's in black and one's in white. It doesn't necessarily make the one in black, for example, less likely to be triple evil
0: no. no. <laughs> I, I think they're I think they're both on the chaotic evil scale. Yeah, absolutely. And so but
1: if you think about it, you wouldn't exactly peg Mad Magazine to be the source of a video game. There's not a ton of stuff going on in a Mad Magazine you're thinking to yourself, hey, we can make a game out of this. You know, Alfred E. Newman game or whatever. I don't think they I don't think they did any other I, non I don't think this is the only thing that came out of Mad Magazine that got games. I can't think of anything else. Maybe I, I could be way off base, but I can't think of anything. So uh, I, I, it's it's sort of a wacky way for something to come out. And I like the fact that a guy who fled Cuba ultimately led to being uh, heavily featured in a very well-traveled video
0: game. It's weird how things work. It is. Well, you know, they also have board games and card games right. on Mad Have you ever played I, either one of those? No probably
1: for the best. I bet, a, I bet a board game might be kind of fun, if, if I'm honest. Um, well, I guess we should just jump right in then, Brent. What do you say? Um, with that backstory in line, we are looking at Spy versus Spy, published by Beyond Software and on the uh, ZX, and released at 85. We mentioned that this was well-traveled, so we might as well just go ahead and talk about wh- how well it traveled. This got released on a so many machines. It's uh, it's actually fun to go over them. So in '84, this came out in the '64, uh, the Atari 8 bits and the Apple II. '85 got the Amstrad and ZX. '86 you had the Sega Master System, which some people consider the, the quintessential version. Um, yeah, the Sharp X1, the NES. By the yeah. way, according to Wiki, and you can you can take this with a grain of salt. According to Wiki, the NES version of this sold 300,000 copies in North America alone. That's All right? probably that's, not That's accurate. what I'm just telling you. Uh, it also had a PC-88 release in 86. In 87, that's when they cranked up the BBC Micro and Electron and these Commodore 16 and Plus 4 versions. That was a weird year. They went kind of backtrack. And then amazingly, in 89, you got an Amiga and ST version. So this crept into the 16-bits. Uh, and then I, you also had, in no particular order, a Game Boy, a Game Boy Color, an MSX, and an iOS version of this. So
0: Jeez. this was
1: on a, that's a lot, pretty good amount of machines uh, for this game. It also had a couple of sequels, uh, Spy vs. Spy 2, The Island Caper, and Spy vs. Spy 3, Arctic Antics, which I have not played. But I have fun one of these days. We'll end up getting into them. Uh, so... What do you do in this game? This game is a split screen one or two player game where you you if you play by yourself, you play the white spy as you uh, are in a in a building, an area, a set of rooms and you are pitted against your continual enemy, the other spy as you try to gain the necessary items to to get catch a plane and leave the scene basically. Yeah. Now, um I guess I should start this by saying, because this is sort of important. Had you ever played this before? Oh, yeah. Okay, had you ever known what you were doing before? You did know. Okay, because a lot of people, including myself, this was one of those games you would occasionally would throw on on the computer of your choice, and they're really... Uh, uh, I haven't looked over a couple and played a few of these. There's not a ton of difference. I mean, graphically look different, but there's yeah. not a huge amount of. No, difference. The, yeah, the 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 goal is always the same, right? And, but I mean, the game is pretty much the same with all the systems. But a, a lot of times we would just go around and try to hose your partner, and then not even pay much attention to
0: the actual game. And then it you works. just both run out of time, yeah, and but, it's over. But there's <laughs> an
1: actual there's an actual game in there. Yes. So your mission is to escape this embassy before your time runs out. You might you have to find. You have to find five things. In essence, you need to find a, a Halliburton or a briefcase, whatever you want to call right. it, a suitcase. And then you, ha- and then once you have this item, you have the ability to carry more than one thing.
0: Okay? More than once, yeah. And that, so, quest uh, items. Amongst yeah. Amongst
1: the things you have to have are a passport, yep, money, yep, a key, and yep. secret plan. Yep. You have to have these four things. Now, as you run through this. Uh, As you run through the uh, rooms of this uh, of this embassy, you're going to come across desks and you're going to come across pictures. You're going to come across uh, drawers and whatnot. Yeah. And you and what you can do is you can search them. You will move and you will look and you will find something back there. Maybe you won't. And uh, and you were looking for these certain items now. Right. Uh, the, the caveat is until you get the Halliburton a briefcase, you can only carry, you're only having these one thing at a time. Uh, and so it becomes a uh, partially a memorization battle, and partially it becomes a, a strategic battle to try to maybe
0: move stuff where you want them, because you can take stuff and move it somewhere else and, and drop yeah, it. Yeah, you pick it up, put it in your inventory, take it to another room, and hide it in another bookshelf or behind a picture or something. Right, yeah. now, uh,
1: these levels eventually can become multi-levelled, including yeah. ele- uh, not elevators, including Stairs ladders and like. Yeah. Yeah. and so uh, you, and so at that point, you're you go multi-level. Now, um, of course, there's always the other spy. So what's a the scoop there? Well, in one or two players, when you come across the other spy who's doing the exact same thing, he's in also the doing the exact same, same thing. Uh, you when you come into a room with that spy. Anything you're carrying gets deposited behind the nearest, dep- item, like, yeah. bookcase or whatnot. And then you are you go into, like, combat mode. And in combat mode, you try, basically, the combat in this game involves hitting your opponent with a big stick yeah. or club. I always uh, thought you were stabbing him, but yeah. yeah. It's funny, in the Sega Master System version of this, you groin shot the other guy with your foot. But in this one, you've got, you've got clubs that you whack each other with. So, uh, and then you basically, it's like seven hits will kill your opponent. Now, let's move to the other aspects of the game. Uh, You'll see a ticking timer uh, at the top of each player's area. Uh, These timers are not in sync with each other. And what these timers are, it's how long you've got until your escape plane leaves and you're not on it. So when this timer runs out, no matter what you've got, you're done. You're out. Instant, the timers will change depending on what you do. For example, uh, if you get killed, you lose time, yes, and your opponent does not. Uh, if you take time to set traps, we'll talk about, um, you that takes extra time, and so you'll lose time there. So you can be doing great in this game, but run out of time yeah. because you did not find the uh, you didn't get all whatever you needed and get out the door. Um, the other Important aspect of the game are the traps, which is the what we used to play without any concern for the game. It's uh, like setting up the mousetrap board just to just to watch the little man fly in the tub. That's well. Did anyone ever play mousetrap as a game? I mean, me and Luke did one time, but we thought that much fun. Right. So as you go through the game, you can actually you've got a cert, uh, you've got set items that you can use to uh, kill your opponent effectively. Uh, you amongst them are a bomb, a spring. A bucket of water and a gun on a on a string, a time bomb. Well, it's a bucket of water with the electricity. Right. I said it was like I yeah, it does have a little electrical symbol on it, which yeah. is weird.
0: It's like you got a battery in a bucket of water. It's well, thought it was
1: like a bucket of acid, but you never <laughs> a bucket of water
0: with electricity. No, because he know? does a little uh, the electricity well, thing. I don't know how that works? Electric. I think it's got like batteries. Yeah. So. What what that? Uh, considering I just said with a battery, yeah. probably that's what I think. So anyway, uh, what you do is you go to the game, is that you can. So,
1: and this took a while for me to figure out. Okay, so we're on the ZX. It's a one button machine, which a lot of these are. Your button in the game will use the club, to, but it, it, what it won't do is access your menu until you double tap the button. That took a little while. I remember playing this game and have no idea. it's not, this isn't the only system that's like that. And when you do that, it suddenly lets you access the side panel of your various items. Yeah. Aside from the aforementioned weapons, you've also got a map there. Yeah. That used to drive me nuts because I never knew how. I always saw the the uh, map pop up, and I was like, "How do you get to that well Because I didn't know. You hit the button a lot. <laughs> yeah. Once you get over to your side area, you can negotiate your way through your options. And the the map is a simple map, but it's effective. It shows where you're at in the area. It shows where your opponents at. Uh, and that's all there is to that. Uh, and anyway, you can set these weapons. Now, you know about all these weapons. You want to explain uh, a little bit about the strategy behind setting them and how you set them and, and well, where they
0: can be yeah, used? Yeah, certain things go in certain places. So like the spring you put behind a, a picture on the wall or a bucket of water you put in the corner of a door, uh, bombs into uh, uh, drawers, uh, guns tied to doorknobs, that sort of affair. Yeah, certain but, items have to
1: be used at a door, yeah. and certain items can't be used at a door. And then the time bomb can be used anywhere, I believe. Is where
0: that. Be. And, and and the the whole it's a risk versus reward thing, right? Because it takes time. I mean, even more so than just you know putting doing the action, it takes part of your timer to set up these traps, and you have to say think to yourself, if he dies from this trap. I get a time benefit. There's a time plus to me that's because of my opponent's time negative. Right. But you have to set the trap, which takes time, and then your opponent has to trigger that trap. And there are, you know, a lot of calculations that go into that. Yeah. And it comes to, do you trap a whole room, maybe? Do you only trap a room that you've also put an item in that you're kind of storing there using as kind of your home base? So, I mean, that is, in my opinion, that's the strategy of the game. Yeah. Because, sure, you can run up on the other guy and and have a big club off, right, where you're both just hitting the button as fast as possible and hope you come out on top, because that's how those fights always are. Yeah. Um, Or you can try to set, you know, the traps and try to get that time benefit. Uh, Personally, when I play, I never set traps. Or I will set one trap. And I will set it uh, in the same room that I know something is in, so at least they've got a 50-50 or a one-in-three chance that if they find that item, they're going to get hit with the with whatever I set up.
1: Sure. And the funny thing is, uh, with the with the traps, it's not that funny when it happens unless you're the other guy. It's like you you more often than not, you'll set off your own trap. Well, that happens the, all the time, yeah. and and if it, so, you have to know exactly where you put the stuff, right? If you go lumbering in there, you'll blow yourself up. Yeah, and, and like
0: that's you. why you can't just set. Yeah, I mean, if you're trying to win, you can't just set dozens of traps because you will eventually forget where all of them are. Yeah, um, we I should mention that it, whatever item you're carrying is featured in
1: the uh, a, a little separate square on the side of the screen. And of course, if you've got the Halliburton or uh, suitcase, it's set, featured there, and then you can put the stuff in it. And there, it keeps track it of it, the important it, stuff at the yeah, top. Yeah, it keeps it at the top. Um, the funny thing about this game is, there's a, of course you've got the traps, but there's actually a counter to the counter here. Which are like basically things to get rid of the traps yes. that your opponent set. Wire first. yeah. You've got scissors, uh, an umbrella, uh, a, a water bucket. We'll get rid of a bomb, and you can actually you can actually get through these traps if you've got these items. But again, this is a level of play in these games that few will probably ever dwell. In. And I, the reason I say that is it's sort of like you said. By the time you set a trap and take the time to put the trap down. And then you have to hope he gets there and hope you don't hit it. Often, I got to the point after playing this this week to where I would just go around and try to find as much as I could, even if I got hit with something. Yeah, that's it doesn't matter. And I tried to keep going. a mental idea, of, okay, and I had to use the map a lot. The, I mean, finding out how to use the map was a big plus because you can at least get to your bearings. The game um, does a good job, in my opinion. Of, listen, this is a game that has very little... There's, the music zilch. It has sound effects. It's not what I would call graphically beautiful. It's good enough. Oh, I
0: thought I thought this this very well suit the the spectrum.
1: This isn't it. my favorite. It worked okay, but I, mean, I mean, it you don't need much given what you're doing here. But I mean, you know, and this was in line with the other versions. But what this game does, it does quite accurately capture the spirit of the comic strip, which not a lot of games. That's the hardest thing to do is to sort of capture what the essence of yeah. the, of the comic is. But I mean this is the comic. These two idiots it's exactly going what around, happens. doing dumb crap for an idiot goal, you know. The there are some places where this uh comes up short. Uh and and the the what if you start this up on the specy right away once you go through your options, and I will say it does give you the option to change the IQ level of your opponent. Yeah, uh, it changes the level of play, and you can also change. You can redefine your keyboard keys. Thank God, that's always a plus. But this game starts you out, and you're pretty much right. But you're pretty much beside the other spy, and when you're playing the computer, and he's at, he's on you, and like, and it's not a good way to start anyone to learn a, ca- a game, which I would call a more convoluted or complicated than normal game this a lot of people again when i played this back in the day it was always just to beat the tar out of the other guy and, and 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 never to actually win the game so when you look at this from a game where you're trying to win that's not the best way to start by having your guy in there i also had trouble just effectively always entering that menu it's funny when you're in the middle of this game um it's hurry up and wait. There are times where you've got plenty of time, and then you've okay. also got times so where this guy's on top of you over and over and over. Another aspect that I wasn't too keen on was like when you get killed. I mean, it takes a while to get you back in, which I mean, no, I think that's fair. Be, but I mean, you, your guy turns into the angel and the whole nine yards, but that's okay. And I will say that one thing it did built in is that when you when one guy gets killed, the other guy laughs. <laughs> which i thought was a nice touch you know he gets a good hearty chuckle which again that happens all the time in the uh in the comic strip what did you think about this uh as a player
0: well there, there's two player. ways there's two th- two ways to look at this right? All right yeah it is the game good right yeah and is it good for the spectrum uh and right. i, I want to tackle the that last question first all right is it good for the spectrum it's good enough. Yeah. Uh this is not the primo way to play spy versus spy. And when you have something that is on dozens of consoles, yeah. right? And you in in a modern setting, you want to play the best version of that game that's out there. Unless you just have a nostalgia, you know, for something. And you want to play the best version. This is not the best version. However, let's look at it. From you know the 1980s view, right, where this might have been the only way you could play it, right? It's fine. You've got it. It does everything it needs to do, and it presents itself very well. Um, could that would it have been better with more buttons? Yes, that's why anything that has multi buttons yeah, is but is superior. In this case, that's certainly not a deal breaker. So. No, no, because you get used to it. You get used to it. So we've we've. We've tackled that is it good is it good enough on the spectrum? Yes, it's good enough on the spectrum now is it a good game to this man, this is one of those great dividing games. I personally enjoy this game mm-hmm. because it is so different because it takes the source material that is spy versus spy and implements it so well into a game right all right they could have went. A million different ways with this, and, and they could have completely cheesed it out. But they went and did something fairly unique uh, with without compromising the source material. Do I think that the game is, you know, hard to pick up for newbies? Absolutely. And normally for games like this, when you're working with uh, you know a, a popular property, that's the last thing that you want to do. You want to have something that is dumbed down to the dumbest levels, yeah, that just, you know, is easily consumed. They did not do that for this game. This is a complex game. It has complex ideas going on. Yeah. But it in my opinion, it works to the benefit of the game. Uh it takes a lot of risks in a time where a lot of risks were taken. You would not see, I don't think you could get a AAA developer in modern times to Take a risk like this on a popular property, it'd be like taking Barbie and making like a Mortal Kombat game. Well, it just ain't gonna happen. I, I, this
1: is more in line with the comic, though, than that would have been the yeah, yeah, that's true. You know, uh, the, this is uh, the, when this game came up uh, on the list to, to play when the selection committee picked it. I was actually pleased and excited, and I'll tell you why this is a game that I've never understood up until this week because okay. I never cared. That's the one thing I like about this show. Like, I play now. Seriously, it it basically it makes me play stuff that I wasn't that interested in. I mean, I saw this game all over the place, and much like a lot of other people, I had a cursory look at it. I screwed around with it. It was weird. It was un, it was it didn't make any sense. The controls were weird. And I could just said, "How the heck was that?" And never tried it again. Like so I knew about it, but I didn't care. And I knew when this came up, I'm like, I'm going to sit down and read the rules and, and actually learn and figure it. out yeah. what this game is you know and now that i have i watched a great video where a guy compared the different uh, the different versions of this and one thing he mentioned and i'm going to pair it here is that when you look at the comments and i i noticed this before even before i watched the video a lot of people talk about this game and they're like i never figured out what this game was or some people killed the game there's no game here it's garbage yeah. And uh you can understand why, because when you first start the game, it's you get that feeling. Like I played it once before I looked at any documentation. I was like, I, this I hate this. What right. is this? You've got to it's your classic example because you're right. They captured the spirit and the uh the fun of the of the comic strip quite nicely. Yeah. The design on this was quite clever. I should mention, by the way, that of course this was ported over and I didn't go into any of the of the details on that. Uh this was ported over by a couple fellows who did some porting, if you know what I mean, <laughs> back in the day. And the funny thing is if you look at who did who performed the conversion of this, they were they were labeled as Tag and the Kid. All right. That's it there, but that, I found their real names on Moby were Anthony Tagloni and uh Malcolm Helen. Uh and most of this what they did wasn't on the on the ZX. Uh uh, Tagloney did Superman, but he also did, listen to the stuff he did on, like, the C64. He did Mooncrest. He did Lords of Midnight. He did Deathscape. He did Shogun Total War on Windows. He was mm. the big guy behind that. So, so Tagloney ended up having a pretty good career. Uh, Malcolm Hellion, he did, or Helen. Hellion's better, but... Hel- <laughs> Helen, he did Lords of Midnight in, uh, on the C64, and he did some stuff on the Amiga, including uh, he was involved in Grimblood, Space Cutter, F-19. F-19 a big title on the Amiga. So these guys were pretty talented uh, fellows that put this thing together. Something else you've got to consider. I looked up what this went for uh, when it was released. This was a 10-pound, 9-pound 9 99p game when it was released, but it quickly went down to budget price, to 2-pound 9-I-P, Again, the, they were, for that. they were, for, that's a heck of a bargain for, yeah. because the fact that you have a an opponent that's an AI. And I heard different people talk about the opponent different ways. Like I heard a lot of people say that the opponents were real dumb. Like I put on the dumbest opponent, and he would often win. <laughs> I mean, he would win a lot, you know. And we should mention how do you win? We didn't get into that. Once you gather up all your components in your Halliburton. There's a door you'll find uh, that has an airport and two airplanes airport, on it, and yeah. that takes to the airport. And that's how you win. You can choose whether this door stays hidden until the end of the game or not, and which is I can see both ways. If you wanted to make it more fun to have to go around trying to find the 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 door, one of the things about this game that is also clever is the stuff you don't. That's behind the scenes that they did. For example, if one guy is crushing the other spy, okay. Uh, and, and you can tell what your opponent's got. I mean, because you can look down at his screen yeah, and see what he's got. Yeah, uh, Well, I mean, I think that's sort of built in. Okay. And so, what you can do is, if your opponent's killing it, he's got a halibut with a bunch of stuff on it, you go after him. Yeah. That's when you go hand-to-hand. Then you just steal Because it. whenever you go into the room with him, everything he has is instantly stacked in the nearest gimmick. Everything you have is gone, too. But you don't have as much. Yeah. If you go in there and fumble him, you you can take everything. And you're, yep. now you're in the lead. Which, again, is sort of in line with the wackiness of the of the, of the, the comic strip. And if you're the guy who gets, you know, uh, the other spy steals all his stuff, you could stay there and fight him, or you might have to just run away and just give up your stuff so you don't, you know, if you're not faring too well in the fight, then come back at it. So it gives you, even at the, a lot of these games, you get so far behind your bone. Right. But this is a game. Where they've sort of rubber banded it by gameplay. I mean, really, if you think of it, it's actually quite of a clever concept. In well, gameplay. it can
0: also be abused because if you have nothing, and let's see, the other guy's ready to win, you just stand in the in the room with the door to the exit. Because then you can't. Well, you at least have one more chance to fight, and I, that's why they have the hidden. Yeah, exit I was going to say that's why the hidden exits there, and I think the hidden exits
1: a, is a good angle. Uh, for this game because it does add especially if you're playing if you're a more advanced player, yeah.
0: It will give you a little more of a of a leg up on it. And this is also one of the very few games where this is true. I would much rather play the computer than another person. Really? Yes. Why? Because when you play a computer or when you play another person, strategies like I just mentioned become the norm. Yeah. Why even search for stuff? Just wait till the other guy gets everything and takes it. Where the computer doesn't do that, the computer's always Trying to achieve uh, the common goal, and if you're playing the same way, you're just trying to achieve the common goal. It's fun to see that the jousting effect that that has. You might have a part, he has a part, but you're still looking for the suitcase to actually gather everything up. That it becomes more fun for me that way. When you play two people, man, it's just especially finding two people that know how to play the game. Well, I mean, if me and you were to play it, I think we have a pretty game. We should probably try this somewhere out a lot. Maybe this would be great. Thanks
1: for, for Thanksgiving. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, um, the the I like the hiding the exit door, but also you got to remember you're not just gonna roll in and, and wait for the computer to gather everything and go in there and beat its brains out. The computer's no slouch when it comes. Well, to to you at. can
0: you can you can set it up so you have a really good advantage. How do you do that? Well, if because all of the rooms have doors, just wire up both doors uh, with gimmicks. Oh yeah, and so they have to so come you're, in with you're not snipers. Them. Yeah, right, and then. You, if they, if you do that, you know which, the, if they're going to come from the top or the side, which is usually how these rooms are set up, right? Yeah. And then you just stand by the door, and as soon as they walk in, if you land the first punch, you have a really, Good chance that you're going to finish him before he can finish you, but or run away. But
1: still, it, there's a, that's a lot
0: of strategy to be involved in
1: this. But, and and it's, again, and you it's crap have, strategy. You don't play like that. The thing is, if, you, if <laughs> that's no fun. The good thing is by hiding that escape door, that nullifies it, a good it chunk. It does. Of
0: that. It does put a and lot you of. You can it, understand
1: yeah. why they give you the good thing is the options there. Yes. Because early on, you don't want to hide the door so people can figure out what they're doing. Also, if you're playing with a more, less experienced guy, maybe give him a little bit of help. You know, maybe you're letting him g- get a little bit further,
0: and you crush him at the end. Or maybe just the kind of guy that likes to crush suckers like and, you. And, of course, there is a alternative way to try to play this, right? Because the timers are a really big deal. Yeah. And you can run—just because you run your opponent's timeout doesn't mean that you win. They just can't win. You still have to find all the items. Yeah, But there is some strategy in saying, if I can get four or five minutes off this guy's clock— Right. Yeah. Even if he gathers all the items, I can just run him around until he dies, pick it all up, and leave. So there is that does kind of lean towards more. Well, I'm going to plant a few more traps than I normally would. I, I again, I don't play that way. I I go hardcore into trying to find the stuff as quick as possible and get out. <laughs> Maybe plant one or two traps, but the option at least is there that you can play like that.
1: You know what might be fun? I was just thinking about this. If there was an, a, a game of this where you just where you got your console and not the other guys, it was an online version, and you could have maybe four or five people playing in a, in a large, you know, basically take this concept and expand it, and that might be kind of a fun thing to do. Well,
0: they actually have. <laughs> man, I should have looked up the name of this because I knew I was going to bring it up on this show. There is a game where it, it's sort of like this, but not really. One person plays as a spy, yeah. and the other person plays as a counter spy, but instead of both of you running around the same environments, you're in an environment which where the thing is happening and the other guy's watching with a sniper rifle. Yeah. And he gets one shot to shoot and kill you. And he but you have to figure out which one is the is the human player. And you have tasks like, you know, you have to uh uh maybe get a book, uh, communicate with another spy, seduce the good guy, you know, that Weird. sort of thing. Is this a steam game? Yeah.
1: Interesting. Yeah. I, I would like, I'm going to look into that. Did you, just, just while we're thinking about it, did you ever play the sequels to this? No. No. What's the point? Maybe one of the, well, I don't know, They might. They, maybe they uh, Maybe they did some stuff that we would enjoy. I've never <laughs> cared about the sequels until
0: that right now. <laughs> well, I, for me, part of the charm of this game is it being what it did the first time. Yeah. Once they made money off of it and they could make sequels, I mean, I, again, I've never played the sequels. They might be the best thing ever. Is they're very similar. All the problems <laughs> yeah. that I have with the game. Yeah, but I have a feeling it's just different, more in different traps with updated graphics. But for me, part of the charm of this, part of the fun of this game, is they did so. They took that first risk. They made something so unique the first time. Once they saw it worked, and they made more of them, and eh, it's not really. You got to give
1: them clear credit too, because they actually, of all the wacky properties to pick. Aside from the fact that the the combat and the premise of the game work for the comic strip, there's also sort of a minimalist uh the comic strip's not what I would call like a rich and deep art and no, background. No, and yeah, I agree.
0: Even that part
1: of it actually works pretty well.
0: You know, you have your I you have your iconic characters. They have that they have a very iconic look. Yeah you I mean when you see these guys Regardless if they're drawn a little differently or from a different person. They all have that same look that is just instant. It's instant. Yeah. You know that's what they're going for. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: you know, I was interested to see how this would review. It's funny where it, listen, a game doesn't get ported this widely, and especially over a series of five years. Yeah. Unless it's someone's buying it. Okay. Yeah. So we know this was a good seller. Yeah. And so I wondered how this would review. And it reviewed pretty well. Uh Sinclair, you usually gets a hundred percent. Oh, it's not that good. Uh, Computer Gamer <laughs> gave it a 100%. Crash gave it a 93. Uh, CBG gave it a 90. And Searing Clear Programs gave it a 71. Those are s- sterling scores. It's ridiculous. I guess the check cleared big time. No, I think they just. I mean, they probably. 100% Aaron. You don't understand something, though, Brent? This is a simpler time where this is a pretty multifaceted. How many multiplayer games are going to give you this sort of depth? Not I that know. many. I know. You know.
0: I just. Man, I think to give a game 100%, it's got to be completely flawless, also, so and you can't difference. do it with one button.
1: Well, we did get a, a review, and uh, our good buddy Pajako chimed in, but he said, I've tried to play this game over the years a number of times, and really I just can't get on with it. It is a great concept, but I find the game very clunky and difficult to play, if I'm honest. I keep hoping one day uh, I'll just click with it, but sadly not this time. The Spicky version does a good job representing the game. But it's a little dull to look at. However, with limitations, uh, I'd uh, see. However, with limitations, the machine developers did a good job with the sound, and it moves at a good clip. And it, I will say there are sound effects, you know, occasionally, uh, like, yeah. Uh, but in an age where uh, any system library is at your fingertips, Specky is not the one to play this on if you want to play the best five versus five version. I would, I yeah. think you mentioned that, yeah, yeah. Uh, as well. Uh, the but, NES is where I played it, so. Yeah, overall though, I enjoyed this one. I did have a a, kid. I did have a chance to look this up on eBay, uh, the brand, and this is selling, brother. Uh, eBay. There were people asking. I always like when people try to get a lot of money for cassettes, but every once in a while they find one. But this seems like it'd be ultra common. I saw people sold as much as they said it did. I saw people trying to get between twenty one and thirty dollars for this, and that's a lot of people were selling it. I saw some sold. For ten dollars, six dollars, seventeen dollars, ten dollars again, and two dollars. So someone sold this cassette for seventeen bucks. Not bad, uh,
0: man. I guess. Uh, you, <laughs> I'm just saying uh, that's not bad at all. So, oh no! It, I, kudos to that person. I'm glad you found the game that you wanted to pay seventeen dollars. Very good. More. So as we as we move towards the end here, you know, uh, uh,
1: I wanted to talk a little bit about. Uh, this being our one hundredth episode of our sinclair a you know me and you talked before because we we are involved in several shows. Yes. And you come to these milestones more and they it's funny, they you come to them more and they mean less as you depending on because we've been around for a while and this show uh, was one that uh, me and both started real. Uh, you know, it's been quite a while ago. Uh, you know, it was it was right after ARG I think kicked off, and then also we went on hiatus for a while. Yeah, with it, uh, but brought it back, and because we both uh, really love the specy, and it's it's the system where you it's a it's it's always a solid title, but if you I mean the the titles are really shoot the gambit, and there's so many that are, you can run a million shows, you know, like this. I was looking over, you know, of course, you weren't here for these early shows, but do you remember what, do you know what our very first, uh, our very first Art Sinclair episode was on? If episode I had to one? make a guess, I would say Jet Set Willie. No, it was Bruce Lee, oh, okay. of all things. I look back, we really started out hot because our second episode which is still one of my all-time favorite games on any system, which is Chaos. It's amazing to me that there was a time that before me and my son knew what that was, because that game has been perpetually, it's on my kid's phone and mine, and uh, and we also have the uh, Steam uh, version, the new updated version, which is awesome. I love Chaos. I don't know if you, have you ever played Chaos? Yes, Brent? of course. I can't remember if you played or not. But um, we went through, I, I was just looking through the list of stuff that we played over the years. I had a couple things that, that stuck out to me. Daley Thompson, the Catholics, I'm a big fan of that sort of thing. It's funny, a couple of these I remember because there were episodes where me and Boat would get into a big fight. <laughs> In fact, when we were having there, were a couple episodes where Boat was real, was real angry. Uh, Boat's perpetual missaying of uh, attic attack, which has spread across multiple shows now, with people calling it attic attack, which drives me bananas. <laughs> so he ruined that for a lot of people. I've liked some of the newer, like we we played some of the new stuff. We played some of the old stuff. You're right, we did play jetpack. Uh, we we did play uh, uh, what we did play M- manic miner we did play all those sorts of games that you would expect us to play but we'd also the good thing about having a, uh, a selection committee is that now you're playing stuff like grand national the horse racing game I mean, but we had we got to learn a lot about about horse racing in that you know I, I thought that was cool we also uh, played, we've played every sort of racing game, biking game, all sorts of crazy games over the years. It's a good time uh, playing all the games and you came in and then your first game was just do you remember the, because you took over for boat a couple times <laughs> last year you remember what you were playing? I don't.
0: No. Yeah, I you know how that's not burning your retina. I get, I get. I get caught up to, to the major leagues so often, yeah. and sent back to the minors just as often. I can't keep track yeah. of it.
1: Also, I want to mention that we also. Uh, you know, there are some other things that I wanted to mention. We played some bad games on this show, <laughs> some real bad games. The one that comes to mind was like Transformers, was was, was I thought was not that good, uh, but there were plenty of those. There was. I'm trying to think of the name of this game. We played this game. It was so wacky that it came with its own like soundtrack. Did you ever watch the episode we did? Somebody on the chat will remind me what that was. I it was a real wild game where you actually listened to music along with while you played the game. Yeah, are you it, talking about the one from Brazil? No, it wasn't from Brazil. Although that was good too. A dos deuses machina. That's the one. What Deus a, X. Deus Ex. What a crazy game that was! I thought that was a real. Uh, that's one I think about quite a bit whenever I'm thinking about the things we've done. The game wasn't the best, but the concept behind it was grand, you know. So, uh, since Bo was involved in so many of these episodes, I mean, almost all of them, I asked Bo to send a little uh, a little clip in to talk to everybody about his experiences on here. Brent, you want to run the clip? Here it
2: comes. Guys, listen. R. Sinclair, 98 episodes that I did with you guys, me and Aaron. Listen, we have done it all. Soared through the skies of Jet Set Willie. We've duped it out with the baddies and Target Renegade. I still don't understand sort of the uh, misplaced affection for that game from you guys in the U.K., We solved the mysteries of the Hobbit. We've done everything you can do in those colorful worlds of the ZX spectrum. Uh, But, you know, we've done more than that. Uh, We've we've discovered the heart of British culture. And by that, I mean we learned about Snooker. We learned about Jockey Wilson. These are the things that tie the nation together of England together. And so, as I step away from the mic, as I step away from our Sinclair, I-, I can't help but look back and just thank you all for helping us choose the games that defined a nation. And I also want to say a special thank you to the Brent. You know, if I had to pick one person that had fresh energy and just boundless enthusiasm for the platform. It would be Hurricane Zone Brent Dowdy. I am confident that he will take our show and bring it to a levels that are never before seen in the history of podcasting about British computers from people in the United States. So, dear listeners, Thank you for allowing me to be part of the first 98 episodes of Iris Sinclair, And thank you to the Brent for carrying the torch onward. And of course, the biggest thank you of all to one Amigo Aaron for being, really, I mean, if you had to choose an American ambassador for a UK computer, could you think of anybody more willing, more potent than Amigo Aaron? Guys, enjoy the episode. Rewind tape and press play.
1: Thank you, Boat, for chiming in. He really does love this show and he loves the Sinclair. We still play stuff on it all the time. And Boat's going to start joining me for some of my live streams on Friday nights uh, sometime in, in the not to this the
0: future, probably after he gets back from uh, going to the cave. I was going to say, I don't know when he's going to fit that in.
1: Hey, listen, I want to announce that uh, 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 that next time around on R. Sinclair in a few weeks, we will be doing episode 101, their finest hour. Yes. As uh, was chosen by our game selection committee. If you're interested in hooking up on the game selection committee or just joining us on Patreon, head over uh, to Patreon and give it a shot. Uh, we are there, Amigos Retro Gaming. We'd love to have you in, R. Sinclair. Uh, our whole host of shows. If you're interested in that sort of thing, we'd be more than happy to have you come around like these fine folks who are supporting the show. We appreciate everybody. Listen, the Game Selects Committee, I love that because they keep us frosty. Yeah. If we're just going to pick, me and Brent would just pick arcade port. Be no, happy, I you know?
0: certainly would not pick arcade so
1: port. It's, it's great to have uh, the support <laughs> and encouragement from all the folks in the uh, in chat, all the Patreons. We appreciate you guys very much. Uh, and so that will be uh, coming up in a couple weeks, but next week, Brent, we are back uh, in the ARG saddle, and we're going to be looking at the Camp Pewter Presents the links. The links, Yeah, we yep. sure are. This is the Lynx. This no. is the one from Camp Pewter. <laughs> That's so the one. Immediately <laughs> at the show, we've got to find a way to play games on the Camp links. It should be a lot, of, a, a lot of fun to figure it out, but we usually... We usually find a way. That's that's faux show. Uh, have we ever, have we ever had a show where we didn't play the games? We've had shows where we had to change the show because we couldn't find an emulator, but not. But it only happened once or twice. Yeah, very rare. So I, I have a feeling it's new normal when someone picks one of these wacky computers, uh, then there's an emulator for it. And by the way, this is where I love I love going into wacky zone for ARG. I love that. Like a few weeks ago when we did. Uh, the Atom. I love that. I love that. Oh, and that, that wasn't even close to the wacky right, but zone. I, I love kit computers and stuff, so I'm looking forward to learning about this. And it looks like a pretty good little system there, the uh, well,
0: the links. One more thing, Aaron, I want to bring up. Yeah, uh, We are on the cusps, actually, it will be tomorrow, that the uh, Amigos Retro Gaming YouTube channel will have been open for 3,000 days. Really? 3,000 days tomorrow for the for the YouTube channel. That's a long time, folks. What a weird, what a weird stat that is. How did you, where did you come across that? I was like, huh, I wonder how long the channel's been up. And then I said, whoa, we're real close to three thousand days. It is, and then funny, that was it. it. We,
1: we just had our, we just had our first video go on a hundred thousand views. And we now, are, so that, that show, that's how long it took right there. Of course, that video came out last year, but still. <laughs> One view every <laughs> three days. Hey, I want to mention, we got a couple of things upcoming uh, real quick. Uh, as the crow flies, uh, you, uh, every Friday in October, we'll be doing uh, the Conversations with Dark Side show. Me, Rob Flack O'Hara, we completed our show, our first show this past Friday, where we talked about Uh, TV Horror. These are made for TV horror. There's a lot of fun, and uh, those are available uh, if you're interested on the Amigo Stream Team channel. Uh, I also want to mention that uh, coming up early next month, we'll be back to BGW Wrestling. I'll have more information on that when it comes uh, close. And then lastly, Brent, we're not all that far. We're not all that far, about a month and a half away from uh, Thanksgiving. Oh, I'm anyway, looking forward you to, to it. Do want to just briefly touch on what that is?
0: Uh, Thanks is our channel-wide event uh, that Aaron and I put on the day after Thanksgiving. It's on a Friday. We usually run it between 8 and 12 hours. I'm not sure how, many, how long it's going to be this year kind of depends on what else going on in the life on our lives otherwise. Yeah. But it's just a little show where we sit down, we play some games, uh and it's just a way to say thanks to all the folks out there that have given money throughout the year either to us, to charity, to say thank you for all of the nice uh Messages and gestures that we've been given, the, the gifts that we've been ones. given. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to be nice around us, you just have to not be, be mean. Yeah, that's all we ask.
1: You know, I, I always enjoy Thanksgiving, and it. it's usually last year was one of our most viewed events. Yeah, stunningly so. And this but, year, I think we're going to crank it up more because it's a lot easier than it was then. Yeah, and, so and, it should be a lot of fun.
0: And it, it's it's not it's not a sub drive. Nope. It's not, you know, let, give us a bunch of money. It's not, let's Although give money free. to charity. <laughs> I mean, we're not going to stop you, but no. that's not That's not the point. The point is just to have something fun uh, for those in the U.S. for the day after Thanksgiving who just want to sit around, you know, recover from the food coma you're in. Yeah. Uh, and for us to try to be entertaining and, and just yeah, we'll give a little back. We'll try to be entertaining. I wouldn't hold your breath.
1: <laughs> that's all we've got uh, this week, Brent. Any final thoughts? No. We're out of here. Take it easy,
0: everybody. And remember, rewind tape. And press play. Bam.